I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to give this word. And uh, let's just fix our, fix our eyes in on this word, because I think if we receive this uh, with good soil, the Lord will do amazing things in us and through us. All right. I'm a little distracted. Help me, Lord. So today, we are going to talk about money. Everyone say money. Now, there have been many approaches to money in the church, and we're actually going to start talking about a few of those. That's how we're going to kick off this message in an odd way. But I decided, you know, let's not beat around the bush. Jesus talked a lot about money. God has a lot to say about money. And we've all got money. We are blessed. Um, all of us, if you are here, money goes through your hands. It is a tool that we have. Uh, and, and God will do good things with the money he's given us if we come at it with the right heart in the right way. But before I get started, uh, there there is a lot of church history. Many of you know, some of you not so well. But there's a lot of church history around money that I just want to shed a little light on just because today is the first time as your pastor that I'm going to talk a lot about money. Uh, and, and I just feel these things are important to sort of set the groundwork because there is real history here for a lot of us around this topic and the way you've heard money talked about in church and so um, in, in recent history of the church at large, and by recent history, I mean the last 40 years, uh, there's been a teaching in the church, and it's actually less prevalent now than it has been. Many of you know and have witnessed. But it's, it's this theology that's often called the prosperity gospel. Now, just by raise of hands, who here is familiar with the prosperity gospel? So a lot of people, a lot of us have heard the message, you've heard, um, you've, you've heard what's in there in different ways from different people, and, and I'm certainly not here to create division in the church, but I just want to say a word about that. Um, most of the church, including Victory Church, to be clear, has walked away from a lot of the tenets of prosperity gospel. And I, I just think it's important to touch on. Now, prosperity gospel is tied to this phrase that most of us have heard in church at some point, and, and it goes this way, give to get. Now, that's a negative connotation of it, right? But, but it's talking about how the prosperity gospel teaches that if we give something to God, we'll get something back. Now, there have been many problems here around this, and some good things have been there. You know, one of my favorite uh, favorite things I've heard someone say was John Nakamas about prosperity gospel. He says, he said that, you know, I've left most of that behind, but one thing it did teach me is it did teach me a lot about faith in God. So there were some good things in the message that was that was really impacting a lot of churches, including this church at a, at a time in our history. But there's been a lot of wrong things as well. Um, I could I could go down a list of different things. I'm not going to this morning, but just a lot of things that have been negative. They've been damaging to the church and to God's people. And so before I talk about money, I just want to say a word here. It's a odd way to start a sermon, but I just want to get this out of the way. Um, I just want to be abundantly clear that many in the church at large have been misled around God's perspective on money from platforms 
like this. Now, I'm not talking about this platform. I think the teaching here has been good. Um, but in the church at large, there's been some wrong teaching around money. And, and I want to say as your pastor, as the person representing this spot here today, I'm sorry that the church has, has um, interpreted scripture incorrectly and taught it. Can I get an amen? I'm sorry. It has impacted some of us negatively and, and unfortunately to some of us this morning, as you hear this message around money, uh, there will be an inseparable element of what you've heard in the past to what I'm going to share today. Uh, but to, I just want to be clear, to take scripture around money and to misinterpret it intentionally, to manipulate it, to spiritually manipulate people with it, it's wrong. And so I just want to say from the get-go, from me, by God's grace, as best I can, I am not going to, to teach you about money in that way. Now, I want to be clear, that's not been what's taught from this stage. I'm speaking to just the church at large. And I don't want to speak any words that will divide, but I, but I do want to say this. With all of that history being there, a lot of us, as you saw the hands go up, have some history of hearing that teaching. Some of us have leaned into it more than others. I want to be really clear on this. The, the enemy likes to tempt us to sin in two ways. Number one, he's going to use initial temptation. All right, so he's going to bring sin up front to you, to your pastor, uh, to teachers around the world, people you see on YouTube, people you've seen on television. He will bring a temptation to take the word, manipulate it, misuse it, misinterpret it, pull pieces out, and he will tempt uh, the use of scripture in a way that's not holy. We saw that in the way that the enemy actually, Satan actually tempted Jesus in the, in the wilderness, right? He actually used scripture and misapplied it. Now, now that is, I believe that's sin. To intentionally misuse scripture, that's sin. But I also want to say this. The enemy likes to tempt in another way. He would like to tempt you to an inappropriate response based on that person's sin. And that's my caution for us at Victory, is that we wouldn't respond to sin in the world um, or around other churches in our approach to money, that we wouldn't respond to the way they handled it wrongly and then go over in the other ditch on the other side of the road. Both sides are ditches. Both sides of the road are ditches. And I just want to tell you that Satan would like to get you in the ditch. He doesn't care which side you're on. So we're going to talk about money. Now, you're not going to hear me as a pastor leading every sermon, and I'm not slamming anyone, right? You're not going to hear me leading every sermon to the conclusion of it's time to tithe, all right? You're not going to hear everything revolving around money, but Jesus talked about money quite a bit. When you really look through the gospel, he talked about money a lot because it's important, and we're going to touch on that today. But I just wanted to start there. That the enemy would love to give us in one ditch or another as your pastor and for the elders as we lead um, and the whole staff. We are going to do our best to stay on the road, stay between the ditches. Does that make sense? Can you nod your head if that makes sense? All right. Amen. Um, one other thing I just want to say around this. Uh, this is really a, a, an approach of grace 
Um, and I won't do this often at all, but, but if you have been in this church for a long time, uh, there, there can be, um, there can be an honor given to the elders of the church, to people who have had their roots in deep, which is very godly. And, and I want to appeal to the people, if, if you are above the age of, it's an arbitrary number, let's say you're above the age of 40, and, and you've seen behavior from younger people around money, um, I just want to tell you, it's a good opportunity to pour out grace on, let's say, millennials, Gen Zers, and younger, to pour out grace and say, instead of, um, instead of looking at their giving or their behavior around money and saying, you've got it wrong, I want to exhort you, let's teach young people good scripture around money and help them get their roots deep. Many of the many of you in this church, if you're above the age of 40, not all of you, but if you've been here a while, you've seen God's blessing that's poured out through giving. And so I want to encourage you, instead of saying, man, why aren't young people giving and, and giving their finances more? Why are they treating their money this way? When you see it, pour out grace. All right? Weirdest intro I hope I ever have to a sermon. Um, but that is my intro. So we're in a series called We Are the Church. We are the church. And we've gone through a few things. First week, two weeks ago, I believe it was, we talked about how we are the temple of the Lord. That, that God actually abides in us. His spirit dwells in us. And because of that, we are his tool. We are his hands and feet to do his work that he wants to do through his church. And against the church, the gates of hell will not prevail. Last week, well, we talked about the Great Commission, about how Jesus had commissioned his disciples. He had done it in three ways. Let's see if I can remember my own, because I don't have it in my notes. Um, first, he, he claimed authority, right? He said, all, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he gave a command, go make disciples. And then he gave a peace no one else could, could give and saying, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That was last week. So we are his temple and we've got a commission to do the work. Let's talk about how we do the work. Now, when we talk about money, um, I, I want to tell you that there's a lot around generosity that God has for us and that God's done. Today, if you would, let's keep our, let's keep our mind in the focus on finances. There are many good ways to give of your time talent, and treasure. Today, we're really looking at treasure, okay? We're going to look at time and talent in, in the next couple of weeks. But money matters to us because it matters to God. Like I've, like I've already said, God has a lot to say about money. So if you've got your Bible, let's open it to Matthew 6. Matthew 6. Now, Matthew 6 is right in the middle of a sermon that Jesus gave called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus gave powerful teaching in this sermon. Um, if, if you want to know what Jesus is all about, I, I encourage you, read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. This, this passage we're going to look at this morning is planted right in the middle here. And, and I think it's up on the screen behind me. I, I could be wrong. If it's not, it's my fault because I create those. But let's start in verse 19. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth 
and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. Jesus said this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He goes on, The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? He says this, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and wealth. Some, some translations would say this word mammon, which is another sermon that I'm not going to touch on today. Um, or some would say you cannot serve both God and money. Um, but, but the word here and, and the version I'm using is wealth. So you can't serve both God and wealth. That's what Jesus said. Now, I've got, this is a classic three-point sermon I've got for you today. So I've got three big points that I want to give. And we're going to start with the first one. And here's what it is. Giving matters to God. Can we say together, giving matters to God. Here's why. It matters to Him because He is the giver. He created giving. No one gave anything before God was a giver. Do you know that? Here are a few uh, scriptures that support this. And some of them are scriptures that you already know. Uh, and I'm just going to go through them quick. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 8.13. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for all of us, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Powerful. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And that's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. As a, not as a result of works so that no man can boast. Uh, James 4, 5 and 6. Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose... And quote, he jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. But he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. James 1.17, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variance or shifting shadow. And finally this, if those verses didn't cover it, Paul covered it well at the end of Romans chapter 11 and verse 36. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. For from him and to him and through him are how many things? All things. And be the glory forever and ever. So if we, like we talked about in our first week, if we are created in God's image and we are his temple, we are created to give likewise as God gives to us. God has given us a lot. 
dare I say, God has given you everything that you have. Now, here's a key question in this. Does God need your money? Does God need your money? Is the light bill just a a little too high this month in heaven that God needs your money? No. God doesn't need your money. But but here's a a different question. This might offend some of you. But does God want your money? Yes. You know that? God wants your money? How can, how can I say God wants our money? Well, think about this. We just read it earlier. Matthew 6, 21 is our key passage for today. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Did you know that God wants all of your heart? God wants all of you. Jesus didn't say, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Do you notice that? He didn't say where your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to go. He said where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, God wants your money because where your treasure is, where your money goes, it's going to have your heart. Now, I've been a big believer personally and around the topic of love when we're talking about heart, right? There, there's a lot to, that goes on around our heart, but around the topic of love, I have always been a believer, and I was taught this by a teacher when I was young, that we, more than we feel love, we actually choose to love. Now, raise your hand if you're here and you have been married for more than 15 years. Amen. Let's give them a round of applause. That's an accomplishment. Now, everyone who just raised their hand, they probably started with a feeling of love. But I promise you, if they've made it that long, along the way, they chose to love. Thank you for that, amen. They chose to love. I I was talking to Olivia on the way to Ballotin this morning um, as we were driving down together. Uh, Update to everyone, hey, we've had some good peaceable drives to church. So thank you to everyone who's been praying for that. We've been getting along great in the car. Is that right, Olivia? That's right. We've been getting along great in the car. So glory be to God. It's it's not me. It's not me. Um, One of the funny things about this transition and us coming to the church I get one question more than any other. It's not, Matt, how are you doing? Which, you know, don't worry about that. I'm doing okay. Um, it's not, Matt, how, how are people accepting you? You know, how's the, how's the church going? I actually get one question more than any other, and it is, are you moving to Ballotin? Are you moving to Ballotin? I get, I get that question. Sometimes it's just, when, you're, when are you moving to Ballotin? It's not even are, it's just when. If you don't know, we live in Marshall. Um, and, and we've loved living there. And I'm not writing off the possibility that we could live in Ballotin someday. I actually tell people my, my blanket answer. I'm sorry if, if I've told you this and you thought it was personal. I say this to everyone. We're opportunistic. If we had the opportunity someday, we'll pray about it. Maybe we'll move to Ballotin. But I, I was just telling Olivia this morning how amazing it is. We get that question. Um, but and everyone, I think, in asking that question kind of assumes if you're going to fall in love with Ballotin and love the people of Ballotin, you should live there. And, and I think that's really good. Like, we, we actually have that in our mind um, of, of a possibility someday, right? It's just not where we are right now. We're living in Marshall. But I, I was just telling Olivia this morning how amazing it's been 
that I have been able to choose to love Palatine. And I love this community. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I, I have just chosen. I have just chosen in my heart and just said, Lord, would you give me a love for Palatine that I can't explain? And I truly love this community. Now, if, if you're in the surrounding community, I know a lot of us are. I love you too. I really do. All right? And I love Marshall. But I've got a special love for Ballatin that I've just chosen, to be honest. As I've driven around Ballatin, I've just prayed. And as I pray for people, um, it just means something to me. I just fall in love with them. And, and as I give to Ballatin, specifically around finances, as I find opportunities to give to Ballatin, I've just fallen in love with this little town. It's not about a feeling, guys. Yes, I love the people here. I've just chosen. I'm going to love this city. I'm going to love this little town. It works. It actually kind of works. It's amazing. Where was I? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you want to walk and surrender to the Lord... Let me tell you, you've got an arrow in your quiver, and that is your finances. Pull that arrow out. Pull back the bow. Shoot it at the church. Shoot it at the things God is doing. Let your money direct your heart, because it's going to. God has given you a tool. Where you use that tool, your heart will go. So if you want to surrender to God, give. Give where you want your heart to go. I'm telling you. It's a tool like that. Now, it shouldn't have all of your heart. That should not be the only thing. That shouldn't be the top thing, right? But I'm telling you, it's a real element. That's why Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So my first question today of a few questions, where's your treasure? Where's your treasure? Lost. All right, my, my second thing today, second thing Jesus taught about money, it's this. The quantity of our heart matters to God, not the quantity of our gift. It's the quantity of our heart. Matter of fact, the quantity of our heart will lead the quantity of our gift. There's an incredible story of Jesus in Luke 21. Uh, it's verses 1 through 4, and it goes like this. And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he also saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. And he said, truly I say to you, speaking to his disciples, truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of the others, put in more than all of them. For they all out of their surplus put into the offering, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. See, Jesus wasn't impressed by those that were bringing in surplus and giving. He was impressed by someone who brought in two copper pennies that had a real opportunity to put their heart in those two copper pennies and say, this is where my dependence is. But she gave them. And Jesus said that she gave more than all the others because they were just giving out of excess. It wasn't a sacrifice. But this woman in her heart sacrificed 
And he said that was more than all of the others. See, Jesus wasn't impressed by the quantity. His focus was on the heart. And he saw the widow give sacrificially, and he spoke to the disciples honor over that. That should be a reflection for us. Many of us have said, many are maybe saying now in your mind, and that's okay, I've been there, I really have, uh, more recently than, than you would probably like to know, if I had more, I would give. If I had more, if, if I had more coming through my hands, if I had more of a salary, if I had more of a surplus, I would give. This is challenging, all right? This is the challenging part of the message. God isn't asking you to give from surplus. He's asking you to give from what he's given you. You, Most of us, I should say, I should say all of us, unless you're a child, you've definitely got something coming through your hands. I'm not out to get it for Victory Church this morning. Matter of fact, I should have said from the very start. Uh, it was in my notes and I accidentally blew past it because I got passionate. If, if you won't give in victory, this is, this is an odd thing to hear from a pastor of a church. Please, please, please go somewhere else and give. If, if you don't feel comfortable giving to victory, go give somewhere else. Because these teachings will change your life. And I just want to see your life change for Jesus. Amen? So it's not about Victory Church, the organization. That's not what this message is about. But Jesus is calling us, give from what he's given you. Not based on how you measure what your need is to go out. The beauty of that is that when we surrender to God what we have, he blesses it. It's not give to get, it's give to give. God will bless you when you give. It unlocks something. It's not about unlocking money. It's about the fact that when we surrender to God, we are then in his hand for him to do with us what he wants. And he, I promise you, if you are in his hand, he will do good things through you. It may not look like what you think it's going to look like or what you would choose. He will do good things through you, though. That's what surrender looks like. So how we surrender is important. And and it's just an undeniable fact that if God is going to have all of us, he's going to have our finances. He's just going to. They're inseparable because it goes through our hand. So if you, if you find yourself in a place and you say, if I had more, I would give, here's my challenge to you. And my challenge to you is in a story, all right? Um, it's a bit of a, it's a personal story. I, I don't care to share it that much, but I just feel like it's a really good illustration, so I'm going to. Uh, a couple years ago, Olivia and I, we, we had a baby, uh, life was going and going and going. We just got a little tighter than we were comfortable with financially. It just got a little tight. We're young. That's that's what life is like. Uh, who was it? I think Jay told me, told our small group at Men's Retreat last year that if you're young and you have kids, you're poor. He just said, like, <laughs> you're going to be poor. And that actually, like, gave me a little, uh, I'm not alone. Like, if you're young and you have kids, you're probably going to be a little poor, like, practically speaking. Um And we were just in a little bit of a tight spot. And I remember what I had done is I had done and done a project for someone at their house. And they just really blessed me. Now, now through being uh, just a little tight, we were still tithing. 
still giving, still giving, still giving, when the opportunities were there and when we felt led to. And, and someone just blessed us with a gift. I had only done a few hours of work, um, and I think the amount, this could be off by a few dollars, but this is really close. They, they wrote me a check. It was an odd number. Um, there's a story behind why it's an odd number, but it, it was like $822. They wrote me a check, $822. I was like, thank you, Lord. Like, this really helps us. Like, I, I don't remember what it was, if it was a car repair or something. I was like, I know exactly what, like, God, you did it again. You provided. I know exactly what that $822 is for. Thank you, Lord. I'm so grateful. Now, we had someone helping us with this project. And they just come along, helped us for a few hours. I had texted them and said, hey, can you come help? I just need a second set of hands. They're like great on board. And so I was just telling Olivia in the car on the way home, hey, we should give something to them. Like, I got paid for this. They should get paid for this. And so I was, I don't remember what numbers I was throwing out to Olivia. I was like, oh, 100, 100, 200 bucks. Like, really bless them. And the car just got really uncomfortable. And, and we got home, and Olivia, I don't remember how exactly it went, but Olivia was like, I think we should give it all to them. And we had a little debate there. Because I was like, Olivia, this is God's provision. Like, I really think, like, this was way more than we deserved. God provided for our need. God provided. I was trying to explain it all the way, but I knew... I knew she was being led by the Spirit in that. And so we decided, let's just sign the check over, give it all to them. Let's just give it to them. And to be honest, that hurt a little bit. Because I was like, all right. I was just really financially stressed in this season. And I was like, that just really hurts. Like, that was God's blessing, and now it's gone. And, and it wasn't exactly, we're going to touch on this quick in a minute. It wasn't one of those cheerful giving situations, to be honest, for me. For Olivia, it was. Her heart was good. But I was like, I don't know. Guys, I'm telling you. It, it was either later that week. I don't remember. It's been a couple years now, so I'm not going to act like I do. It was either later that week or the next week. In one day, we got three checks, three different checks in the mail that I was not truly anticipating. A couple of them were things related to a couple years ago. I was like, hey, maybe we'll get a rebate on that in sometime. It was, it, they were those kinds of things. Three checks in the mail. We don't get, just get checks in the mail. Our, 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 seriously, our, our pay is direct deposit. I mean, we just don't really get checks in the mail. Uh, we got three checks in the mail. You would not believe how hard my jaw hit the floor when I picked up a calculator, added them together, and it was $822. You cannot tell me. Amen. You cannot tell me, you cannot tell me it's a coincidence. I just won't believe it. Now, I don't think that's the whole principle that we should build all of this on, right? I'm just, I'm just illustrating God is faithful. Olivia, my witness, is that story true in the back? It's true. Thumbs up. That happened. All right. God is faithful when we surrender to him. He's not looking for our money. He's looking for our heart. But there's a tie there that we've got to surrender. Amen? So, who's got your heart? Who's got your heart? Now, my third point today is how we give to God matters. How we give matters. 
God wants your heart. But as people, we are methodical. We have methods of ways we do things. So God gave us some structure of how to give. A few different things. It, it may not be as obvious as you would think. The first way that we give is frequently. Now, we can have a little debate here. I have a perspective. Different churches have different perspective on this. Um, but victory, at victory, we believe wholeheartedly that God established the tithe for us. What is the tithe? Tithe is 10% that God's, of what God's given us, of our increase, that belongs to God to be given to the local church. 10% of our increase. Many, many, many in the room. I'm not going to do a hand raise here. Many, many, many in the room tithe and give generously. And for that, as a representative of Victory as an organization, I just want to say thank you. We are grateful that you've caught the vision and you're giving to Victory in that way. Uh, but some of you, maybe that's your action step. Maybe you need to test this. God says, actually, test me in this. The only place God says, test me in the Bible is around tithing. Test me in this. See if God's faithful. 10% of increase. 10% is a small number compared to 100%. But I've experienced when you write a check for 10% of the increase, it is a sacrifice. It is. The, the point there, though, is frequently give. 10% is one way, but frequently make it a habit of giving. Make it a habit of giving. That $822, that wasn't habitual for us, but the habit of giving is what spurred in our mind, we can give here. We can give this. Uh, it's spurred in Olivia's mind, <laughs> we can give this. Way to go live. Uh, number two way, the, the, the number two um, how of how we give is cheerfully. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, I think this is up for this on the screen. Now this I say, this is Paul speaking to the church of Corinth. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do as he is purposed in his heart. Not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God, what's a, a cheerful giver? God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Whoa. Let me read that, that again. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in how many things? Everything. You may have in abundance for every good deed. The point. Give cheerfully. Don't give like I gave at $822. I promise you Olivia enjoyed that way more than I did. That hurt. I didn't give cheerfully. But if I had a revelation of this. I would have given cheerfully in that moment. It's like a revelation I have and then I forget it and I get distracted and I get stressed and I just forgive it. But like um, everything that we have, do you know that if, if God gave us everything, all of it is his? Matter of fact, if we've said yes to God, Lord, I place my trust, hope in you, all of me is yours. If we pray to prayer of surrender, especially it's all his. It already was, but especially it's all his. It's like this. Olivia, do you have any cash? Okay, run up here. What do you have? 
$100? I wanted to make a joke about losing it, but thank you. $100. Now, let me tell you, Olivia and I, when we stood at the altar and got married, um, I said, Olivia, all that I am, all that I have is yours. Actually, inside my ring, what does it say in here? All that you are, this is what Olivia wrote to me, all that you are is all I need. And I said, yes, all of me is yours. That was our commitment. And she said to me, Matt, all of me is yours. All of it. Olivia, it didn't hurt her one bit to run up here and give that to me. Did that hurt at all? Besides running? Did, did it hurt to give this? No, because everything that's mine is hers, and everything that's hers is mine. There really wasn't even much of a transfer there. When we surrender to God, it's like standing at that altar and saying, Lord, I will marry myself to you. All that I have is yours. And you know what he says back to us? He says, all that I have is yours too. See, when we give to what God has us give to, it's not even a transfer. It doesn't even change uh, ownership. Just like for me and Olivia. That just didn't really change ownership. That's the spiritual principle here. So be a cheerful giver. It's fun. It is fun to give. The, the other way that we give, real quick here, is privately. This is just an important tenet that, that Jesus taught. Um, earlier, actually, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said this. Matthew chapter 6, 1 through 4. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when, notice he said when, when you give to the poor, not if, when, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when, when, not if, but when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your willing will, your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will be rewarded. So here's what Jesus is saying, just an important principle of giving. Don't flaunt your giving around everyone else. Say, hey, I give this much. How much do you give? No, no, no. Give in private. God sees it. He will reward you. If not, you're going to receive your reward here. Uh, Dead serious for the $822 besides getting it back right then, I probably have received my reward because I just burned it in a sermon illustration. Okay? You all know we gave it. I don't know. Right? But my point is this. Don't flaunt it. Right? Just give. Give in secret. Matter of fact, let me just tell you this. Some of the greatest givers in victory, you don't know who they are. You would would have no idea the generosity of some of the people in this room who have caught the vision of this message. It would blow your mind, the generosity. But their reward will be in heaven because they've done it in secret. And the Lord has done good works through them. That is, that is a true fact. The last thing, and I could build a big biblical argument on this, but I'm not going to. And I'll have the worship team come on up. We're just going to close with a song today. The, the last way we give, God calls us to give, I believe, is to the local church. To target our giving at the local church. Why? We're talking about we are the church. And, and as we come together at Victory, 
We're a body. We're a family. So when we give to the church, we're giving to a common mission as God's temples for his work to be done and spread throughout the earth. Our money goes much further when it is combined together and has a mission to go. Not exclusively, but it is a true, it's a truth in scripture that, that when we combine our, our ability to give, God will multiply it and bring forth a good seed. Let's all stand together. Worship team, you can go ahead and play when you're set. 1 John three sixteen through 18. We know love by this, that he, speaking to Jesus, he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods, notice it's not saying having the world's goods is bad, but if you've got the world's goods, all of us do in a sense, and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Here's what he's saying. Let's put our faith into action through what we've got. Let's not uh, just love with word and tongue, but in deed and in truth. The, the late, in my opinion, great Tim Keller said this, a lack of generosity refuses to acknowledge that your assets are not always yours, but God's. If we aren't generous, we haven't yet surrendered. So as we talk about we are the church, God is going to do good work in his church, whether it comes through our hands or not. Amen? God will do a good work. The question is, will we join his mission? Will we be the people of God? And let him flow a blessing to our community through us. Lord, we thank you for this word. Father, I just thank you for the generosity you've exhibited in Victory Church. Lord, for the missions that we give to, for the work you do in this community, for the good teaching that goes forth because of our giving. Lord, I thank you for the people that are ministered to in hospitals, in their homes, because of our giving. Lord, the practical needs that are met on a weekly basis here because of our giving. Lord, a place that's beautiful to come together and worship because of our giving. Lord, would that work increase because of the generosity of your church? Lord, we just say we surrender to you. Would you have your